Thanks everyone for joining us for our News Channel 3 podcast, Community Conversations. I'm your host, weekday morning anchor, Laura Painter. As we are recording this, we are right now in downtown Kalamazoo at the Kalamazoo Institute of Arts, also known as the KIA. Such an exciting day for us here. March is Women's History Month, and today we're talking with two powerhouse women who are making waves in the art scene. KIA Executive Director Belinda Tate and Chief Curator Rahima Barmer, and also alongside me is News Channel 3 uh, Digital Director Christine Utoff. Thank you all for being here. Oh my gosh, Belinda, Rahima, powerhouse women. Uh, Belinda, first set up for us what the KIA is all about, uh, what is your mission, what sets up this museum a little bit different uh, from the other ones. I know you guys are making waves here, and that's why we want to talk with you all, especially for Women's History Month, too, but we'll dive into that a little bit later. But just tell us what the KIA is all about. So the KIA is one of the engaging art institutions in Southwest Michigan. We believe that the visual arts are for everyone, Mm -hmm. and we are very deliberate about trying to reach as many people as possible in the region to offer them educational, enlightening, and wonderful experiences through the arts, because we believe that that builds a stronger community for everyone. Right. Rahimo, tell us about the collection. I mean, you're surrounded by amazing art every day. Right. Well, I mean, the collection, we have almost 5,000 objects. Um, I actually came here just because of this collection. It was literally um, one of my first, I, I recall this all the time, one of the first experiences that I had was with the Miriam Shapiro. It's called the Square Root of Paradise, which is actually right downstairs in our atrium right now, um, on, on view. It's in the it's it's in gallery run or lobby area, and I just was like, do you believe like this Miriam Shapiro? I was talking to the guards. It was kind of exciting and and funny, and they they just thought I was some random visitor at the time. I hadn't quite gotten the job, but I I literally walked around and felt like I was like, oh, this is like just like another sort of experience, like you know, any sort of for me. Um, I said I felt like I, I kind of came to church here, you know, because oh. it was just beautiful. I mean, like the art was amazing. I'm, it was awesome. at piece after piece, sculpture after sculpture. I I got more and more excited. So. Um, we have a really great collection. There's mm-hmm. some really important um, American art pieces from about the, the mid-19th century here. Mm-hmm. We also have a really impressive collection of um, abstraction. Mm-hmm. So like our Franz Klein and uh, Olga Albizu. Uh, we have Frank Bowling. I mean, I, I could go down and, and say the list of names, and, and I tell all of you to please go online and search our collection, because mm-hmm. you can certainly see those images online in our collection um, area of our website. But really amazing. Really, Very really amazing. Cool. Very cool. Yes. And I think Christine had that same reaction, too. This is uh, one of the first times that you've been in here. And... It is. And I, I, I've driven by so many times, and I thought, i got to go in, i got to go in. Of course, I'll go into work or whatever, and... And coming over today, I was, I was kind of excited because yeah. I was like, okay, I finally get to go to the KIA. <laughs> but um, you walk in and the atrium is very, it's warm and, and 
it's both exciting and welcoming and calming and all at the same time. So it's almost right. like eager to get a look at some of the other things. Exactly. And actually right now we have three main women down on view in our lobby area. One, one, one um, when you come into the front desk, we have Janet mm-hmm. Fish. And then almost right across, right next to the entrance to um, Gallery 3, we have our beautiful Helen Frankenthaler. Mm-hmm. And then we also have the Square Root of Paradise by Miriam Shapiro. It's upstairs right before, um, if you look straight ahead by the, the the next entry doors. So we have some powerhouse women right on the main floor. We do. And I will add that not only do we have works by nationally and internationally renowned mm-hmm. women, we have been working hard to promote the legacy and successes of local women as well. <clears throat> and when I moved to Kalamazoo nearly six years ago, I was comp- uh, immediately introduced to works by uh, male artists who had been a right. part of the arts uh, community here. Kirk Newman, Stephen Hansen, George Rickey. But it took a while for people to start talking to me about Marsha Wood and Marilyn Johnson and Victoria Litna and many of the other women who historically have been um, phenomenal artists and educators and supporters of the arts in this community. So also what's on view right now in the KIA Kirk Newman Art School faculty show is uh, works by some really wonderful artist, Denise Lasecki, mm-hmm. who's the head mm-hmm. of our school. Mary Whalen mm-hmm. is on view. Uh, Mary Broadbeck is a phenomenal artist that lives in our community. So as women, we have a lot to celebrate in Southwest Michigan mm-hmm. regarding our contributions to the arts. That is so great. I want to dive into that theme more. Um, you know, I'll just speak anecdotally about whatever uh, art and history that I learned as a, on a surface level through public school. And what we're taught really in these just basic 101 kind of classes are a lot of male artists. Yeah. I mean, the great ones we think about, Da Vinci, Picasso. I mean, yes, they are great. But as you mentioned, their women really do have a contribution to mm-hmm. art. Mm-hmm. So maybe we can start off with kind of trying to explain, and I want to learn from you ladies as well, um, really why women's stories in art and our contributions have been hidden for so long. Why do we have to make, as you say, Belinda, these deliberate choices and bringing mm-hmm. them to the forefront? Why was that? What happened in the yeah. art scene, in the art world? I mean, I can say, like, one of the reasons why I even... Um, got into the field to study was because of women artists, right? Mm-hmm. So um, when we had Black Refractions here, I gave a tour and I was telling, like, just anecdotally about how I was supposed to have a different career path, but someone introduced me to the work of Faith Ringgold. And at that point, Faith Ringgold had been working, I mean, we're talking about the 90s, she had been working for many, 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 many years. And they now teach her in public school. They do oh. because I've seen Faith Ringgold in public schools. Um, as far as just being taught her posters, her her quilts, like as far as reproductions of her quilts and, and paintings and whatnot. Um, and I was just, we were talking about this important work that she did. But even when, you know, she was doing really well in like the 60s, there were groups that 
deliberately excluded women. I mean, that that's I mean, if you look at historically, women um have been excluded deliberately maybe because, you know, of the the sort of academy type structure that was mm. initiated from the very beginning. Um, you know, really, you know, you didn't really have an art school like how we have art schools before, right? So you had someone that was like a master and then they had apprentices. And most of those workshops were male until like you you had like females, like daughters. Their fathers were painters or sculptors or whatever. And the daughters then somehow <laughs> someone had to break the mold yeah, there somehow, you know what I mean? right? So like I the, guess. The, the before there were schools where women could actively you know, go into the 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 field. I mean, it really was a system mm-hmm. of, you know, where you were apprenticed, and if you were a woman, it wasn't like a, a young girl said, you go up and just say, I want to make paintings. Right. I mean, like honestly, you really did have to be born into that family where someone was making already, and maybe your your dad had uh, thought, like, I'm going to bring my daughter. And we're talking, like, centuries and centuries across different countries, different continents. This was, like, an ongoing theme of deliberately saying, sorry, ladies, not you. Is that kind of a fair way of saying that? I don't know. I'm 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 an outsider in this uh, art, trying to learn more. Well, about I'll it, let but, you take that. Or one. <laughs> no, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to come up with a universal explanation yeah. of mm. why. I think it has a lot to do with the way that women's roles mm, uh, have point. been defined mm-hmm. over time. I do know for sure there would be no history of the world without women. Absolutely, of course, <laughs> yes. So we play a very very important. Right role in uh, the development of our societies. Therefore, it's important to have our story told, our stories told, and to be role models and advocates Mm -hmm. for each other. So similar to Rahima, it was a woman artist who inspired me. I was doing some research at the Beinecke Library when I was a student at Yale University and I ran across a piece called Lift Every Voice and Sing by Augusta Savage. Mm. And that piece just absolutely spoke to me. It represented my experience growing up in an African-American church, singing in the choir, mm. etc. Just the, the beauty of my being somehow was reflected in this work of art. And then I read her biography, and she was incredible, you know, um, against all odds, she traveled to Europe Mm -hmm. to study art, she came back to the U.S., there were no opportunities available for her, she started her own little art school, and then she became the uh, first uh, female director of the Harlem Arts Center, which became a very, very important um, art school, and so her story really said to me that I could pursue my dreams and passions Mm -hmm. even though I didn't have anyone within my sights Mm -hmm. who really represented um, that career path for me. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was also fortunate when I uh, worked at the Yale Center for British Art, the director there, Duncan Robinson, was an advocate for me. You know, I was an intern and he really said to me, Belinda, you are good at this work. You should definitely Great. pursue a career in the arts. Like, mm-hmm. We need you in the museum field. And it was just wonderful. Still to this Absolutely. day, I have no idea what he saw in me. But I'm so glad 
that he encouraged me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he introduced me to Mimi Neal, who's now Mimi Gardner-Gates, and she took me under her wing, and she was my mentor. And both of these people really helped support and nurture me in a special way uh, in a time when I would have abandoned uh, my dreams because I could not see a clear path to success Absolutely. for myself. Right. And so, you know, these people just said, look, stay, stay the course, stay the course. And I think sometimes in our lives, we, we need that. Mm-hmm. We need that. Um, and I think even within our own families, mm-hmm. sometimes there are women in our families who want to break the mold Mm-hmm. be a little different, right. pursue something that's a little different. Right. And we have to say to each other, well, you don't actually have to be like us, and I'm using air quotes, if you will, but you can pursue your own path. Just go for it, whatever it is that right. you want, go for it. And if you need to blaze your own trail, then that's fine. Cut a path, and there'll be others who will follow you. Absolutely. I mean, I did... Yeah. No, I did grow up where where my, my parents always, you know, valued education and told me that I could be whatever I put my mind mind to. I mean, like, literally, if... if my, my dad literally says this to me all the time, and, you know, I'm I'm grown now, but he's mm-hmm. always like, you know, Rahima, we have so much power in our minds, and if you can think it, you and 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 talk about it. Mm-hmm. He's like, you can do it, you know. And so, even when I came home, I I wasn't supposed to be. When you said that, I was like, it, I identified with you mm-hmm. immediately because I had a teacher. I was taking art history, and I had no intentions on going into the museum field. Oh, I really? like I liked museums, uh-huh. and I would every chance go to a museum like for assignments. But I was, she knew I was like, I was like, everybody knew I was going to law school. I was like, yeah, I'm just doing this. I like this. I want to study something I like and enjoy it and learn, you know, different things. And she pulled me aside. And she said, you are really good at this. And you should think about this. She was like, now is the time. Women, they need more women in this field. They need more women of color. She specifically even said they need more women Mm. of color. Um, and you should think about this really seriously. And for me, it was kind of like, what? Really? Like, can I do that? Like, who? Like, because when you go into the museum, honestly, sometimes you don't see people. The people that work there, you see guards, and, mm-hmm. and that's who you see, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say that even here in this institution, I feel like Belinda and myself and and other members of our staff are so much more outward facing and mm-hmm. and really accessible to the public in a way that when I was going to museums, like you would never see the curators walking or or have curators that would even talk to a regular visitor, you know. <laughs> so so like you like right. for for or or the director even it, mm-hmm. it literally you would you might not know right if that person was the director or curator or whoever you just saw kind of the people that were there to ensure the safety of the art and um for me it was it's 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 been transformative to to be doing this work in in this field and also to be in this institution to be in an institution that's so 
outward facing the yeah. connection. Interesting thing yeah. I think I heard from both of you yeah. is this idea that there was someone in your life that that of real value that saw the value in you in this field mm-hmm. that really mm-hmm. helped you along. And I, I love the, that your father was encouraging you and told you. My dad did the same thing all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can do anything you yeah. want to do, anything you want to do. But mm-hmm. I think as a young woman who, for coming from a family that gave me that support, and mm-hmm. I was sort of vocal and out, you know, stepping into a lot of new things all the time. I re- remember seeing a lot. You can't do that. You can't. And it was just a normal kind of, you know, yeah. people who look like you and view are like you can't do this. Don't yeah. normally do no, this. So you get a no, no, right. no. I'd like to know from the two of you how you overcame that kind of, maybe not outward, but just kind of societal. We get a lot of subliminal messages, yeah. right, yeah. against yeah. us women. Yeah. Like, we're yeah. going to feel awkward, yeah. maybe, yeah. you know. I have to be honest told many times, question. well, it's nothing but men in there. Like, yeah. So, yeah, like, I don't want to be in that environment. I like, you know. Honestly, yeah. no, I have to blame my mother for that one. My mother, I am my mother's child in, in that respect. My mom was always putting me in everything. Mm-hmm. Like, there there was not anything. Like, when it was time for musical instruments, mm-hmm. when it was time for dancing, when it was time for art, like, I- anything. And and honestly, we, we have, were a really modest budget. But my mom would sacrifice. And she would say, okay, Rahima mm-hmm. wants to do this thing. Like, mm-hmm. let's try it. And honestly, I picked up so many different things and put them down. And she bore with me on, on that. But... She also was one of those people who was like, you can do whatever you say you're going to do. And and honestly, I think that um, I feel like my family specifically has always been that been that that sort of driver that says Mm -hmm. says, like, if you say you're going to do something, then do it and do it to the maximum Mm -hmm. potential. Like you don't just do halfway. Like <laughs> right, we like right. it was never acceptable to have halfway work. Like it, it was like, oh, you got a green star. Why is it not a gold oh, star? Got a gold star. <laughs> yes, I I agree with that, and I would say that um, there's always the power of one, mm-hmm. the power mm-hmm. of that one voice that says yes among a thousand right. no's, and I um, went to boarding school as a high school student uh, in New England. And I remember one of my first uh, classes speaking out in class in this very thick Southern accent and all the other students laughed at me. Oh my gosh. And it was a horrific way to start (laughs) my experience there. But I knew that I had to change my accent in order to be heard. And that led me to find my own voice. And I will say at Yale, when I was um, when I first started to study art history, I had an incredible professor, um, Sylvia Arden Boone, mm-hmm. who was an African-American woman and a tremendous scholar, who said to me, one, you should pursue this, and two, don't be afraid to bring your own stories to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mm-hmm. Yale at that time provided a very traditional Western education in art history. You did not mm-hmm. learn about African-American artists as mm-hmm. part of the core curriculum. But you know, she said to me, don't be afraid to study African art, African-American art history. Don't be afraid to study the stories of your own mothers and grandmothers. Don't be afraid to study Southern regionalism, whatever it is. 
it's important that you bring the stories you know best to the academic and scholarly environment. So whatever it is you have to offer as a person, you really just have to have the courage and the grit to insert those stories in places where they haven't been heard before. Mm -hmm. And that's really powerful because it really requires you to have confidence and value Mm -hmm. yourself Mm -hmm. and your own history Mm -hmm. and heritage in a way that others might take for granted. And you do sometimes have to live with the aftermath of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are many times when those stories have not been well received. Mm -hmm. People have discounted or dismissed them or um, because of their lack of knowledge, try to deem them as untrue. But you have to stay the course. Mm -hmm. You have to stay the course. And I think about my beginnings in this field and then comparing that to the amazing historic celebration of African-American art and culture that happened here in Kalamazoo last fall with the three wonderful exhibits that we hosted featuring um, black artists. And I just have to say to myself, wow, how things have changed. Mm -hmm. And I am so happy and blessed that I stayed along for the ride. That's great, and we are glad. Yes. You, Belinda, and you, Rahima. Yes. Uh, you know, we're, we're really getting into some great themes here. Um, when I think about representation, and we think about uh, women in art, um, going back to that idea of like deliberately digging the women and digging out their information, digging mm-hmm. out their art, trying mm-hmm. to find them, and deliberately putting them up there on the walls um, do you think that the more representation we have, the more like normalized just women in art will be? And you're you're saying that you you're starting to see some women artists being in these oh, yeah. textbooks and things like that. I mean, this is kind of like the path forward, right? We just got to keep doing. And you right. ladies are inspiring other right. uh, young girls out there too. I mean, absolutely. I think that you know when I was taking art history classes, like honestly, we can say that what maybe 10, 15, not even 15, 10 women out of Mm. a 400, 600 page book. Absolutely. Easily 10 women that I I can, I can in my mind think, like tell you probably. uh, Yes, Frankenthaler, Artemisia Janileski, because you know, they start with Artemisia Janileski in the sort of that period. Um, Sons Vanessa, who else? Frankenthaler. Oh goodness! What is her name? Not Gertrude Stein. Um, um, she Georgia O'Keeffe. Georgia O'Keeffe. Yes, O'Keeffe. I mean, like, so, like, we're saying these names and telling you, like, that is that's it, right? You, you, you might, you might, and you didn't get to even if you got to contemporary art, then it still was really, really very few women limited. Mm-hmm. Um, but studied. now this is this is it been an amazing, I would say, amazing transformation in the last. Maybe fifteen years, even. I mean, people have been plugging away at this and and creating new scholarship and creating new books. I have a book right now called uh, "Revolutionary Women: Latin American Women from Like Nineteen Sixties to mm-hmm. Present" yeah. in my office right now that I took out from our library. 
Um, because I was like, oh my gosh, this book, I need to read this. I need to, to see what this is about. And I was really excited that it's a huge, huge catalog and it was an mm. exhibition because people are creating exhibitions about these periods of time where they were dominated by men mm -hmm. and saying like, no, 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 no. Women were making art during this time. Right. And then you are also seeing more shows where people are going back and looking at the history and then also say, no, no, no. These women, too, were making <laughs> right. and putting them alongside the men. How do you think that'll change art moving forward? I think this is an exciting time. Mm -hmm. Art history is being rewritten right mm -hmm. before our very eyes. Yeah. It's amazing. It's an amazing experience for me because I am uh, being introduced to wonderful women artists of all cultures. Mm -hmm. um, you saw some of the incredible Japanese women that mm -hmm. we have on view in the lower level right now. Uh, Kay Walkingstick, Wendy Redstar, mm -hmm. Olga Albisu, mm -hmm. Dulce Pinzon. I mean, yeah. there's so many, so many. incredible uh, women whose stories are just coming to the forefront. Mm -hmm. And I just think it is so important to the understanding of who we are. We know that mm -hmm. art represents our common humanity. So the more common we can make that, right. the more right. accessible it is for all and the more inclusive we can be of the entire society by having all of these stories be a part of the mix. Um, so it's really exciting. I think that students who are studying art history now, they're having a totally different yes. experience. Really? And I'm it's happy fascinating. about that. It's fascinating. Oh. It's fascinating yeah. to hear their perspectives and to learn from mm -hmm. them because they are really going to be the ones shaping the future of what we show and experience in museums and they have the, the insight and the, the knowledge to, to do so. So it's very Great. exciting. Do you yeah. think here in Kalamazoo uh, with the KIA, uh, because of the space and um, the, the museum itself in your collection, uh, compared to other museums that are a little bit more maybe stuck, I don't, for lack of a better word, stuck, uh, with more of the traditional art. People have that expectation of going to the Louvre. Like, I'm going to see such and such XYZ, or I'm going to see, um, you know, when I go to, like, the Met in New York. Uh, do we have, our, can we here in Kalamazoo really pave that way of bringing up more women local artists and things like that? We have more flexibility. Is it sure. smaller museums like so, this? Um, so, first of all, regional museums are doing great work mm -hmm. and regional museums are very nimble and they're mm -hmm. really responding to community needs across the country. I will say with the Black Refractions project that we did last fall, we proved as an institution we could be dramatically different in a heartbeat. Wow. Mm -hmm. And with that project, we deinstalled um, almost all of our permanent collection spaces for this incredible celebration of Black art and culture. We have followed that with, or we are following that with this wonderful reinstallation of our permanent collection called Unveiling American Genius. And the real purpose behind Unveiling American Genius is to demonstrate that great art comes from all people, from all walks mm -hmm. of life, from every corner of the country, from every corner 
of the world. Mm -hmm. And we all have an incredible story to tell. You know, the world plus me equals the world. Mm -hmm. And so because we were able as an institution to really embrace and make a dramatic shift, that has really opened us up to have an incredibly different dialogue and relationship with the communities that we serve. And it's really um, encouraged people to be much more in tune with what's going on Mm -hmm. at the museum. And I feel like there's a higher level of anticipation in our community to see what's happening at the KIA next because people feel that when they return, they're always learning something new and different. And I think that's what people want right. today. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. if they've seen it before, fine, but show it to me in a new way so that I can have a different experience with that same level of art, with that uh, same work of art uh, and experience it at a different absolutely. level. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I think, yeah, Kalman Zoo is such an interesting place. And even when we think about our viewers, they're very open to just new ideas, I think, right? And we see it on the comments and things like that, especially when we've posted things um, involving the museum. There's been a lot of positive feedback in that. And our Community Conversations podcast is fairly new, but we're getting a lot of feedback, and and people are really enjoying, it seems like, hearing from different folks in in our community in terms of things that are going on, like here at KIA. So Mm -hmm. Rahima's been working on unveiling American Genius. I have been working on unveiling unveiling American Genius. And how that's shaping up. Actually, right before I walked in here, I was um, picking some images, and I deliberately said, I said, okay, let's pick from our our sections, and I was like, make sure we have women, and it was kind of funny because I felt like we picked all women to show. I was like, yeah, we could show that George Washington by Hiram Powers, but... Let's pick something like, you know, Litna, the Litna <laughs> painting, or, you know, and we're like, oh, yes, and Edmonia Lewis, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think that we right, just sent right. an email with full, full of women, <laughs> women <laughs> images, which mm-hmm. is kind of ironic. Um, but no, I mean, we've been working really hard and diligently. Uh, we're, we have removed um, this sort of timeline from the presentation that we would normally um, show the work within. And we're going to have uh, three different themes that we explore. We have Becoming Us or Becoming U.S., which really explores notions of people, the people and places that make us who we are, um, both our collective and individual identities. Um, Even a little bit of national identity, I believe, is is in there, too, because you, you kind of can't separate that out, right? Um, and then we also have a section called um, Design and Purpose, which really looks at the idea of how art objects or how craft is really um, fine art. It's not, mm-hmm. it's, it's been traditionally kind of otherized a little bit because of its functionality, but really sort of starting to look at that idea and say, like, just because it has a purpose mm-hmm. um, or it's been designed with this sort of intent um, does it mean that it's any less significant as an art am object? I, am I correct in calling that, I just heard this, is it folk art? Is, is there like some kind of a there is differentiation? Folk, there's a differentiation. So folk okay. art is, is very different than craft. Um, okay. and, and then you can also go with, the, you know, um, I mean, goodness, there's so many different types of 
types of yeah. art that we mm-hmm. have. Yeah. Folk so artists, folk, primarily self-taught, self-taught. artists, visionary right. okay. artists who self-taught, and then mm-hmm. craft, craft often refers to the medium, so mm-hmm. glass, glass, ceramics, oh, okay. right. gotcha. right. okay. etc. And then mm-hmm. sometimes, too, just the idea that craft was traditionally seen as women's work, too, right. in some ways. So we're really kind of taking that hierarchy and, and putting it on its head because I love that. There, yeah. there are women in that section, mm-hmm. um, like the Janet Fish, but it's really lovely because she, you know, she says something about the time when she was, she, also a Yale graduate, um, nice. was painting, mm-hmm. uh, you know, still lives, which is mm-hmm. a genre we're exploring in that section and saying, you know, still lives are really a technical there's sort of a technical um, type of painting right um, to sort of get your 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 painting chops so to speak to to sort of master the medium and so it's an exercise but then they're, they're also seen as like decorative and and typically quote I'm using air quotes too here mm-hmm. um, benign right like right. like oh this looks right with my but you know my decorations here. In my <laughs> That's house, how I feel right? though. So when people have a piano but, there, right. and I'm like, <laughs> right. like well, you don't play. I play piano, by the way. So that's why I, <laughs> I see people's houses. I have like a grand piano. This is some of my friends' parents' houses too. There's a bunch of pictures and stuff, and I'm like, if you actually played that piano, there wouldn't be all those pictures on there because it might. Right, it would vibrate right. and stuff. It, right. Yeah, anyway, right. I get your point. Right. <laughs> I digress. Display. It's just for display. But but mm-hmm. we're but you know someone like Janet Fisher says like this work that I was doing at the time was so unpopular. Like everybody mm-hmm. was doing abstracts, and I am doing something super representative mm-hmm. and representational of the real world and how like you know as a woman, you know that's really big that's hard right you're a woman Absolutely. you're at Yale and then you're also painting you know still eyes when everybody else is painting abstract it's like you're you know what do you yeah. do but she stayed at it and she's a master at light and color so when you look at her works that that's something that you a little fact little fact that you can sort of take away from that mm-hmm. or looking at at our abstra- abstraction section we have a section called rediscovering abstraction which we're really excited about um, because we get to bring out uh, some works that people have no seen before, known before, but some works that people haven't seen before, and mm-hmm. and talk about how sculpture can also be a part of that conversation, or um, other unknown materials can be a part of that conversation. So you have a lot of diverse media represented in our new presentation. You have women represented. You have artists of color represented, and and they're all in conversation. So that that's really sort of the 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 crux of my curatorial argument, so to speak, <laughs> is that um, there's a conversation to be had between the artworks, mm-hmm. but also the viewers. So it's not so much just about the viewer coming and saying, "Oh, look at this work; it's beautiful," and that's fine if you're an aesthetics person and you're into the beauty. We love you. Okay, come in here. We love that. <laughs> that's good. But we also want people to to come in and they have an experience, right? You know, like mm-hmm. it takes time to build um, your, it takes time to build the skill of looking, right? So, mm-hmm. so often with That's like, really interesting. With, with like, we have our phones, we, we take mm-hmm. pictures, the images, everything is so at hand and super accessible. Yeah. And sometimes we forget just to take a minute and break it down and say like, mm-hmm. hmm, not just like, that color really appeals to me, but like, what's what's really happening here? Who's missing from this image? What would I like? What do you think? Like, actually asking someone else, like, what do you think?
think about this image. <laughs> right. And like seeing how someone else may see something completely different than you mm-hmm. ever would see. My dad and I have my dad has a painting in his in his room um that we had an argument about and he swore oh. up and down that this lady had had was wearing a dress and this was shoe and mm-hmm. da, da, da. we went back and forth and I was like, no, these are jeans. Like look, they're jeans. So like that kind of that kind of experience, like obviously we don't want people to have arguments, but <laughs> I mean healthy conversations. Healthy conversations. Healthy yes. conversations. <laughs> but like it was I just remember how passionate we both mm-hmm. were about this one image that right. we have both been looking at for over 30 years. <laughs> and how he said, I never saw that until you pointed it out. And then I said I didn't see that until you pointed it out. And so then we started having a conversation Mm -hmm. about how we thought this looked like this or how we'd always thought it looked like another thing too, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's what the beauty of what art does. That's what we're hoping to have have happen here is people experience their favorite works in new ways, that they're encouraged to have conversation about it, Mm -hmm. that they're encouraged to come back and look some more and see what they miss right. because you can't in the quick seconds that you look at something you don't absorb it. You're there's so much that um, the brain can process, right? They mm-hmm. they say like your your brain processes like a hundred thoughts in yeah. a minute or something. And crazy we're bombarded like that. by thousands right? of images a day, right? So right, you can especially only in this digital age, so much yeah. you can only process so much. So mm-hmm. we're asking people to come in, take a minute, look at it, and experience it, think about it, talk about it, be encouraged to talk about it, not just say, okay, talk about it. So taking on a new relevance, I think, museums, right? Absolutely. One of the things I want to reiterate about uh, Unveiling American Genius is that we are really using it to deliberately break down as many barriers as possible in terms of being able to experience, appreciate, and absorb a work of art on its own and in relationship to other works of art as well. And that is really challenging. Mm -hmm. And I think as part of this process, we are making ourselves vulnerable as curators and as an institution. We would love for the works on view to be, you know, fifty percent by women. Mm-hmm. But the reality of it is, we don't have the works in our collection to make that happen. And I think mm-hmm. that is true for most institutions mm-hmm. in our country. So we're being very deliberate about adding in these these important voices by women and people of color, and probably mm-hmm. that group will represent maybe forty percent of the the new reinstallation, but what we want to establish is a new baseline for an ongoing journey Mm. and an ongoing dialogue with our community. And so as we look at breaking down hierarchies Mm -hmm. and breaking down barriers and breaking Mm -hmm. down understandings of the isms in art, surrealism, abstract expressionism, whatever it is, impressionism, whatever Mm -hmm. it is, sort of breaking that down I'm sure that our audience members will come back Mm -hmm. to us with new information and saying, hey, well, you know, this really uh, did look like, uh, you know, there was um, 
um, a, you know, a barrier here or uh, an unintended communication here. Mm -hmm. So it shows our willingness to, you know, put something out there that may or may, or may not be perfect, but will be an important starting point. Um, and it sets a, a path, mm -hmm. right? It sets a new direction for an ongoing uh, dialogue with the community. And again, breaking down those barriers between fine art and fine craft mm -hmm. and however people decide to um, categorize things. We're trying to move away from those very specific categories into these very, very mm -hmm. broad themes for discussion. Mm -hmm. And and just to piggyback off of this too, because uh, Belinda said this earlier about um, being introduced to the regional women. Uh, there are a lot of regional women that will be in, in the the uh, reinstallation. There, there are a nice number of regional artists in, in this presentation. And I think um, for me, it's really important to see that Everywhere, it's not just that in New York or in LA or in Chicago that artists were thinking in certain ways, right? Mm -hmm. It's important to see that sometimes this thing is happening happening in pockets nationally mm -hmm. and in yeah. different places. You just, I mean, like you, you know, we have a work, and I was talking about it yesterday. Our Manir Dawson. I mean, Manir Dawson is, you know, that work is like from 1907, 1909, something like that. I'm, it's early, right? Early 20th century. It's he and it's called Mother and Child. It's an abstract work. He had not been to Paris or anywhere in France when they first were doing that because that's the jump off point of Cubism, right? Mm -hmm. When they start doing like where Picasso and Brock starts to sort of take the picture plane and break it up, right? And you see these angular people and things like mm -hmm. that, right? So Arminier Dawson, it's like, how did he make that jump? Right? Like, where do you, how do you do it? But it's beautiful to see that even though he wasn't over overseas, mm -hmm. he said, you know what? There's something that is in me that I have to, I have to try this. And so he tries this. I mean, you, and you see in here in America that like we have tried a lot of some of the things that the folks so across the pond, so to speak, right. we're doing, right? And that brings together that idea of art being that community and a reflection of how we are feeling right. because, you know, the transatlantic relationship there, right. though uh, he wasn't influenced by seeing no. the other art, there was something going on with the world at that exactly. time, right? right? That's exactly. amazing. And I think you see that among artists. You know, there mm -hmm. is a kind of collective consciousness mm -hmm. and you will see two artists complete works that, you know, I won't say similar, but, you know, there's a relationship there. There's an mm. aesthetic relationship. There's a, there's a relationship in terms of their approach to mm -hmm. a work of art. Mm -hmm. And you will question, like, why is there a dialogue between mm -hmm. these two people? These, these two people have never met. They're working in different parts of the world, but their works are incredibly complementary mm -hmm. of each other. And that is a, a fascinating experience yeah. that you come across in the arts mm -hmm. all the time. Right. And I remember in your presentation that you had made yesterday, Rima, when we were when you had two pictures, um, 
uh, I think, by women artists, but they were um, kind of of the same time. Uh, maybe they were portraits. I think they were self-portraits. Um, Nina Bell Ward. Oh, yeah. Nina Ward. And it's and like, I'm, I'm thinking yeah. of like that dialogue. So women yeah. were painting at the same time men were, but men were being put out there in the, into the world for everyone to see. But our works, women's works were staying hidden. But those narratives, right, that different gaze, right. G-A-Z-E, like, you know, yes. how they're similar but different. Right? Well, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I was doing a little bit of research on Elaine de Kooning. I mean, who, if you know, Willem de Kooning is one of the preeminent abstract expressionists, right? And so they had started the school, and it was full of men. And so Elaine de Kooning and Mary Abbott were, like, really good friends. Um, and, you know, at one point, I, I couldn't believe this. Like, when I read it, I was like, are you serious? So Willem de Kooning started destroying works by Elaine de Kooning. And it's like, Why? well, this is the thing. He was telling her that, like, some of her work was not good. He would be oh like, no, gosh. you, he was such a perfectionist for her that he would, like, destroy her work and then she would have to make, make it over. So she was, like, you know, learning from her husband to also, oh my like, God. you know, he he can you, oh can my you, gosh, right. but, but, like, and in wow. some ways, maybe, maybe he was in his own way thinking that this is a help. Because she is a phenomenal artist. Mm. She's, that lady is, was incredible. But like, just to think about the, the kind of pressure that is, right? That you, you are, you, you're like one of the only few. Like, there's th three or four of you in this men's club. Right. And then you have someone that's like, listen, that's not going to fly in here. Mm. You know, we have, you, you have to. You have to, and so there's, that's the, the thing that I would say about women artists that really have managed to carve a path. They really have to be better almost than their male counterparts. Courageous. It takes They courage. really do. Courage. They right. have to, yep. they have to say like, I'm going to, you know, go in and I just got to keep, got to keep plugging at it. Cause I think if, if it was me, if I, I had my husband throw away my face, I said, forget it. But she kept at it, you know, like she kept at it and she mastered the medium and she's an incredibly respected painter in her own right, right? So like just think, she he 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 did that. We think it's kind of destructive. I think it's kind of <laughs> destructive. I'm gonna say that viewers, I thought it was. But like in the end, it ends up propelling her to a place where like, I mean, we she stands among the giants. You know, and she's one of the few women that that does that. But yeah, you have to be better. One yeah. one example that I'd like to bring up is an example of a woman who has local ties. Mm -hmm. Her name is Catherine Hinkle. Yes, and she was married to Richard Copy. Mm -hmm. And while they were married, Richard had the bigger career. He was an incredibly mm -hmm. prolific, prolific artist. He was being shown in many places. His works were being written about, and he was uh, really celebrated, um, you know, within the the landscape of American art. And Catherine, his wife, was also an incredible artist, mm -hmm. and her career clearly took a backseat to his. And so it's only been recently. Um, really the last 20 years that we've been able to see her work 
Now we are incredibly fortunate here at the KIA because she left her work to a family member here in, the, uh, in Kalamazoo and that family member donated those works uh, to the KIA. So we have um, a large collection of Katherine Hinkle's works. Mm -hmm. Again, to show you the support of family, so not only did her sister really value her works, her father made all of the frames for her paintings, and they're oh. the most beautiful mm -hmm. frames. And then That's you see great. this incredible loving relationship between a father and a daughter yeah. when you see these works mm -hmm. hanging. Mm -hmm. But, you know, really turning back the clock to the mid-century, Catherine Hinkle was doing phenomenal mm -hmm. works. Wow. And I think had she lived in a different time where her career really could have advanced, she would definitely be considered uh, among the important American mm. artists yeah. for the work that uh, she does. And the KIA is one of the few places uh, in the country where you can see her work. And actually, it's on view downstairs in our lobby, too. Mm -hmm. So we have oh, lots exciting. of women. Like, you know, no, I mean, um, Catherine Hinkle, I did not know anything about Catherine Hinkle until I came to the KIA. And then seeing her work, it they just speak to you. They're so beautiful. Um, but they're also really, they have these beautiful textures. She was really good with color, like just really communicating with the color. I mean, yeah. I, I'm really excited about, um, Catherine Ankle. I, I, I saw that we did a show of hers some years ago, Belinda, but yes, I, I think that everybody should, should know more about Catherine Ankle because she did, she helped her husband's career too. Like she, when she says she's, she took a back seat. Um, she actively helped promote her husband's career, too. Wow, amazing. Yeah. There's so much to be proud of here in Kalamazoo at the KIA. Ladies, I want to thank you yeah. so much for enlightening me and learning so much. Uh, just a, a last question leading into the future. Can you reveal anything about when we could start seeing uh, some of these projects. Unveiling we might just leave American it at that. Unveiling American Genius is happening April 18th. April 17th, if you're a member, so become a member today, and you can come and see me and Belinda, because we will talk to you and tell you all about the process on the 17th. But if you're not a member, you can come. I believe it's, it's April 18th. 18th. It's a community day. Everyone's so that, a member day. So everyone's a member day, so that means that it will be free to the public to enter on the 18th of April. Um, and then we have lots of other exciting projects on the way, but I have to keep those under wraps. So lips are sealed. <laughs> we'll definitely have them on our website and share you guys' this. Uh, and I just too. want to express our gratitude on behalf of all of the staff and faculty members mm -hmm. at the KIA. We really feel privileged to be able to do this work and serve the community in this way. And we are building upon a long and very rich history of collecting and supporting the arts in the community. And that history is what gives us the opportunity to do the really exciting work that we're doing now. So we really hope the community will come out and enjoy what has been prepared for them. Mm -hmm. yeah. Belinda thank Tate, thank you. Rahima Barber, thank you. Thank you.
A big thanks again to the Kalamazoo Institute of Arts Executive Director Belinda Tate and Chief Curator Rahima Barber. Full disclosure, I am a board member at the Institute and on the Exhibitions Committee. You've been listening to a News Channel 3 Community Conversations podcast. Find out more conversations through your favorite podcast provider or visit our website, www.mt.com, for additional episodes.